anybody watching online, welcome. Good to have you here with us. Our God has never valued information more than revelation. If God valued information over revelation, he would not be just because not every human being is intellectual enough to process the same level of information. So knowing God is not so much about information, it is about revelation. And the good thing is, is that God takes upon himself the responsibility of revealing himself on the level of the person who is seeking him. That's why in the Old Testament you see a lot of pictures. God would use pictures to teach principles. Scripture says he covers us with his feathers doesn't mean that God is a bird, doesn't mean that God has wings. He's using a picture to teach a principle that in the same way that a mother bird will brood over and cover her eggs, that God broods over and protects us with his wings. Scripture says he's the lily of the valley, doesn't mean that he is a flower, means that in a dry and desolate place, he's the one thing of beauty that sticks out. Bright morning star doesn't mean that God is in a constellation. It means that he's a source of direction when everything else is dark. And in the New Testament, Jesus continues the model of using parables and pictures to reveal principles of truth. And in John 10, the text is loaded with pictures, but I want you to focus on three of them. In verse number seven, Jesus says, I am the door. The first picture, the first revelation he gives us about himself. I am the door. What is a door? It's a place of entry, a place of access. Jesus is teaching that God has laid up promises. They're laid up in store for you and I. But we cannot access them without going through the door of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. In the text, Jesus has already established that every believer is a part of God's sheepfold, that we belong to God. In verse 8, he tells us that the sheep will not follow a strange shepherd into the barn. He's telling his own, the fact that you heard my voice and have come through the door make you one of my sheep. Then he says the real sheep don't even respond to voices that are not his voice. Now, I want to tell you this very clearly. Any voice in this season encouraging you to fear is not the voice of your shepherd. Any voice coming across your television, your radio, or your social media feed that is encouraging you to fear Jesus said, my sheep don't even hear that. Their ear won't even pick it up because they know that's not the voice of my shepherd. Every voice telling you that your finances are going down, that we're going into a downturn, that we're really about to struggle now. Everybody's got to pull together and just get ready to take a real big hit. I don't know about you. I've been rejecting all of that because that doesn't sound like his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice and a strange voice they will not follow. Verse 9, he says, they will come in and out. I'm the door. Anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. He'll go in and out. Everybody say, in and out and find pasture or find a blessed place. Why does he say in and out? 
Because you cannot live 24 hours a day in the expressed presence of God. If you've ever really been in the intensity of the presence of God before, you know that when you're there, you can't do anything else. You can't be deep in the presence of God and feed the dogs and take care of the cat, feed the kids, uh, clean up the kitchen. There's just there's some things that get put on hold when you're in a moment of the expressed presence of God. So he said, I'm the door. You can go into the supernatural realm, the dimension of the spirit where my presence is, where my blessing is, where my strength is. You can go in by me. Get what you need, then go back out into your everyday life and have the manifestation in the natural of what you got while you were in the spiritual. In and out. And what's amazing is each time I need to go in, I can go. There's no time restrictions on when I can go in. There's no day restrictions on when I can go in. I can be in line at the grocery store and slip through the door. I can be at the doctor's office and I can slip through the door. I can be quarantined in my house and if I have to, I can slip through the door. I can be Paul and Silas handcuffed in a jail cell and I can still slip through the door. And I want to take a moment and thank God for his accessibility that he made it possible for us to access him directly anytime I can go through the door. Verse 10 contains the second symbol Jesus is using to teach with. He tells us that the thief, not coming for any other reason, he's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now later, Jesus will call the thief or give the thief a symbol of a wolf. In other words, he made an announcement to his people, there's a wolf coming. Just when we're about to get excited and shout about the door, Jesus said, wolf's coming. Jesus has just affirmed two things. Number one, yes, you have unlimited access to the door. And also, yes, there's a thief coming. I, I appreciate the honesty. What he was saying is, don't be shocked by your trouble. I'm telling you right now, the thief will come. Don't lose your mind and act like God has forsaken you when trouble comes. I'm just going to tell you in advance. Jesus said, the thief will come. And I want to make this announcement. Please stop blaming God for all the trouble that's going on right now. Please stop saying, where was God? Why did this have? This ain't got nothing to do with God. This is the work of a thief. He said the thief will come. Because he didn't want us to be confused by the warfare when we saw it start breaking out. I could have canceled service this morning. But I came to church. You know why? The thief is coming. I can't afford to hold grudges against you. You know why? 
Because there's a thief coming. When you know a thief is coming, how would you prepare if you knew that tonight at 9 o'clock a thief was going to come to your house? If you're smart, you'd start gathering some weapons. And when you know that there's a thief coming and you got a Bible that contains weapons, you start preparing yourself and building the hedges and getting ready for what you're going to do to answer the thief's call. That's why sometimes I make myself praise the Lord, even when I don't feel like praising, because I know that praise is a weapon that sets ambushments against the enemy. That's why if the atmosphere is good, I praise, and if the atmosphere is bad, I praise, because when I praise my God, the scripture says he sets ambushes against the thief. He said the thief's coming. Now, the problem with that is he's just given us this beautiful picture of all believers being the sheep of his pasture, following the tranquil and sure sound of the voice of the shepherd. But right after he gets through calling us sheep, he tells us that a wolf's coming. He doesn't call us lions and then tell us that a wolf's coming. He calls us sheep and says, and by the way, a wolf's coming. A wolf coming is bad news for a sheep. A sheep is not naturally created to be able to fight a wolf. Let's look at the tail of the tape. Let's look at a comparison. Sheep are herbivores. Just eat grass, herbs, tiny dull teeth. No real biting power. Cannot open their mouth more than three and a half inches. No real power there. They have short, stubby little legs. Can't run fast. Their bodies are cumbersome, carrying a lot of wool. They have tiny skulls, small brains, not cunning or intelligent. The wolf, however, is a natural predator, sleek and aerodynamic, highly intelligent, powerful jaws that can cut through flesh and break bone, sharp teeth, can run up to 30 miles an hour, it's dangerous to be a sheep in a world full of wolves. Have you ever felt vulnerable? If you're honest, do you feel vulnerable right now? Ill-equipped, ill-suited to handle the warfare that's being levied against you. And to be honest with you, it doesn't make sense. For God to love me so much and yet put me in a world where I'm going to be surrounded by wolves. Doesn't God know my weaknesses? Doesn't he know my nature? Doesn't he know my propensity to fear? Doesn't he know my brokenness? Doesn't he know our financial situation? 
that now is not the time to be going through this? Doesn't he know about my pre-existing conditions that now is not the time to be going through this? Doesn't he know that not everybody's home life is conducive to quarantine? Doesn't he know that some of us, the only break in the misery we get is when we get to leave the house? Doesn't he know that for some in the room, it's more dangerous under your own roof than it is to risk the virus out in the street? Doesn't God know? How does he expect me, a little sheep, to fight the big, bad wolf? And the answer is, he doesn't. The text says the thief, he's going to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come. Third thing Jesus said, number one, I'm the door. Number two, there's a thief coming. But number three, when the thief comes, I am also coming. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is about to reveal another layer of his character. He is my door of access in verse 9. But in verse 11, he is my good shepherd. So yes, the thief is coming. But also, yes, the shepherd is coming too. And I want to tell everybody that feels vulnerable, that has anxiety, that's worried about what you're seeing play out in your society. This battle is not yours. It belongs to the shepherd. And I came to tell you the shepherd is coming. I want to tell everybody in financial distress or you're going through pressure of bills mounting and you're worried about losing your job. The shepherd is coming. I want to tell everybody worried about your children that are stuck home from school. The shepherd is coming. This fight was never yours to begin with. This fight belongs to the shepherd. Somebody with faith, lift up your voice and praise the shepherd. The shepherd is coming. What Jesus is teaching is, is that the presence of the wolf attracts the defense of the shepherd. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said the presence of the coming wolf attracts the defense of the shepherd. In other words, I've never had to defend you like I have to defend you now. So that means you're about to see a side of me that you have never seen before. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting a lot of negative mail about having service, but the truth of the matter is I can get this virus anywhere. I got to go to the grocery store that thousands of other people are going to because I can't let my family starve. I don't know how many people's touched them baskets or touched them shelves. I got to go to the grocery store. I got to go get takeout. I don't know if the cook in the back has the virus. I can't see the cook in the back. I got to go to the pharmacy. I got to go up and down those aisles with all those sick people in it. And since I got to go all those places, I've just decided that God's going to have to take care of me anyway. That if God don't cover me, if God don't defend me, if God doesn't heal me, if God doesn't secure me, if God's not my defense, if God's not my help, I ain't going to make it anyway. 
said, if he doesn't help me, I won't be helped. If he doesn't save me, I won't be saved. If he doesn't heal me, I won't be healed. I can't do anything without the shepherd. Somebody praise the shepherd. I don't know about you, but this ain't the first crisis I've been through with the shepherd. Fact of the matter is, he's had to defend me a whole lot more times than this. He's had to cover me a whole lot more times than just this. I should have died in a hundred car accidents, but the shepherd was covering me. My crazy past should have taken me down a road that would have taken my life, but the shepherd was covering my dumb self. If it wouldn't have been for the shepherd, I wouldn't be standing up here in front of you right now. If it wouldn't have been for the shepherd, I wouldn't have nothing in my life. If it wouldn't have been for the shepherd, Verse 11 and 12, he said, nobody hired me to look after you. Nobody offered me a job and said, I'll pay you to look after the sheep. He said, I'm looking after you because you're mine and you belong to me. Now I realize not every quote unquote Christian can really say that. I realize not every quote unquote Christian really believes that deep down on the inside. But there's a few people in this room that got some experience with God. There's a few people in this room that know what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a few people in this room that look back over your life and say, if the shepherd was able to get me through all that mess back there, then surely, I said surely. He said, I'm not taking care of you because I got hired. I'm taking care of you because you're mine. Why in the hell are you so fearful? Acting like you ain't got a shepherd. All of your life God's been keeping you. Turn off the voices of fear. Turn off the voices of doubt. Pick up your weapons of warfare. Begin to confess the word. Speak faith over your life and give God praise and watch him take you through this just like he's carried you through everything else in your life. I need 15 seconds of a radical praiser. I'm just looking through the room. I want to find a radical praiser. Yes, 
reveals that the wolf, I don't mean to get prophetic, but he reveals that the wolf wants to scatter the sheep. Bring an attack that makes all the people that normally gather together run in fear into isolation because in isolation there is danger. See, they told us about the danger of gathering together. What they hadn't told us about yet is the danger of isolation. What you didn't hear on the news is that the calls to the police department of severe domestic violence have increased rapidly because of isolation. People with mental health issues and depression are now literally about to lose their minds because of isolation. There's some stuff scarier than a virus. That 97% of people that get it will recover from. But the, the wicked, but brilliant strategy I'll bring an attack that make your sheep God I'll bring such a spirit of fear that I'll get people that have been going to church every Sunday for 40 years I'll lock the world down in isolation. And that's where I'll start to work on them. That's where I'll take their past and I'll visit it back to them. That's when I'll take their fears and I'll multiply them. That's when I'll take every horde and demon in hell and I will bombard their mind. Can't do that when the shepherd's present. But if I can get you isolated, but Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Is why the Bible told us, forsake not. the assembling of yourselves that much more as you see the evil days approaching. In other words, the more evil the day gets, you don't mind if I just preach the word of God in the face of all these lies, right? Right? You don't mind, right? The word of God said there would be plagues and there would be pestilence and there would be storms and there would be wars and there would be turmoil. And he said, the worse it gets,
the more you should gather. I said, the worse it gets, the more you should gather. I said, the worse it gets, the more you should gather. What's your plan going forward, Pastor? I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in church until somebody with a badge comes out to these doors and stops me. Because I'm more concerned about what's happening to you in isolation. I'm more concerned with the mamas that are calling me saying he just beat us all up. You know, some people would rather risk a virus. You think I'm going to leave you out and close my doors? The devil is a liar. This is what the church was made to do. The church wasn't for peacetime. It was for wartime. The church isn't for just good times. It's for bad. So when the shepherd came in, the wolf couldn't do nothing about it. Couldn't touch the sheep because there's still protection. If you belong to him. The key point of the text is you're not your own. You belong to somebody else. You belong to God. And so because the enemy couldn't do nothing to the sheep in the presence of the shepherd, he switched the attack and he threw everything he had at attacking the shepherd. And so the enemy began to move through the hearts of evil men until they betrayed the shepherd. Then they arrested the shepherd. Then they took the shepherd to the whipping post. Then they led the shepherd to the cross. They drove nails through his hands and through his feet. They hung him there until he died. And when the shepherd was stricken, the sheep <laughs> scattered. Thomas lost his faith. Peter quit the ministry. All the disciples went into quarantine. And hell started having a party. But on the third day, come on, don't forget our message. Don't forget the foundations of what we believe on the third day. The shepherd got up with all power. On the third day, the shepherd got up with all victory on the third day. And whatever you're worried about, whatever voices are trying to inject fear into you, Every time you cough, you think about going and getting a test. If God was able to keep you before, 
that surely he's able to keep you now. And listen, I want to tell you something. I'm delighted to have evangelist Harold Woodson in the room. He got, he got stuck in San Antonio in the midst of all this craziness, and he called me, and, and he said, hey, I'm in the city, and I, I want to go eat, but there's no place that is open to eat. He said, you suppose maybe we could go get it to go out and just eat it in the lobby and, and pretend the lobby's a restaurant? And I said, well, sure, we can do that. But the Lord had been speaking to me. I had no idea he was in the city. The Lord had been speaking to me that not only, would you hear me carefully, that not only was he going to preserve you and secure you through this, but that miracles of strange blessing and provision were about to break out in this church. Strange provision. And I just kept pressing into the Lord and seeking him. Well, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. And then the evangelist called me. He said, I'm in your city. And he said, and I believe the Lord has given me a short word for your church regarding his plan and purpose to prosper them. And I said, would you please come share it with us? So in the remaining moments of this service, I want you to open up your spirit to receive a prophetic word from God. I believe he has sent the prophet here today to speak to us. Pastor Woodson, would you come and tell us what you believe God is saying to us right now? Come on, give him a big warm welcome. Like you're doing all right to me. Can uh, turn in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 3. And this is what the Lord has to say The enemy will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. But I will stretch out my hand. Anybody believe that? All right. I will stretch out my hand and smite your enemy with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst of you thereof. And after that, he will let you go. He will have to let you go. Anybody believe it? Verse 21. And then I will give this people favor in the sight of your enemy and it shall come to pass that when you go you shall not go empty you shall not go empty so what the Lord's saying is doesn't matter what anybody else says 
God says, first of all, the enemy is not going to let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. But guess what? I'm going to stretch out my hand. And when I stretch out my hand, he will let you go. Uh, and then I will give this people favor. Put your hand on your arm and say, that's us. Say, that's me. I'm going to have favor. No matter what happens, I'm going to have favor. And he will let me go. I dare you to shout like you want to believe it. Now, when this happened, he commanded the ladies. Sorry, gentlemen. He commanded the ladies to borrow of their neighbor and of her that sojourneth. And he said, ye shall see it. Oh, I don't think you're ready for this. Yeah, I think you are. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Said, she'll go to the Egyptians or to the enemy's house and demand their jewelry, all of it. Jewels of gold and silver and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters. God said, I'm going to show you something during all this that's going to freak your kids out. I said, it's going to freak your kids out. Why did he tell them they would borrow? They weren't coming back. Lord have mercy. They weren't coming back. How's he telling them they're going to borrow something when they're not coming back? He said, the purpose will not be for you to have a loan and then pay it back. The purpose will be you're going to watch what I'm about to do with all of your young'uns. Now, you ain't ready for that, are you? And you shall plunder the enemy. Do you think that God wasn't aware of all the stuff that was about to happen? When we got all this crazy stuff going on with the election? Get ready. I don't care if it's Democrats or Republicans. God said, I'm going to plunder. I'm going to plunder the Egyptians. I'm going to spoil them. So let's do something. Join hands. I know we're not supposed to do that, but we can. We're in the house of God. 
There ain't nothing the devil can do about it. I said, there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. I heard uh, last night there is a pastor in this city and he is speaking today on staying calm. And he's not even Pentecostal. But he said, the Lord said to stay calm. You think you can do that? Okay. Now go ahead and spray your stuff after you get through with the holding hands. Ain't nothing wrong with that. What if? What if? What if? I was listening, and uh, this will freak you out. At the resurrection, Thomas, they called Doubting Thomas, but you didn't know that Doubting Thomas never did. Read, your, read the scripture. When the time came that they said, Jesus has arisen, he said, oh, I've got to see the nails in his hand. I've got to see his sides. And when he saw him, Jesus offered his hands. But Thomas said, my Lord and my God. <laughs> and you read the scripture. He never did reach for his hands. He never did reach for his side. He immediately, just because Jesus spoke, he said, my Lord and my God. You've got relatives in your house that it's been so long since they've been in church. God says, watch what happens in the middle of all this. You'll see them back in church. And they won't be looking for proof. They'll say, my Lord and my God. Anybody here want to claim that part? He just announced it don't matter what you do. The enemy is not going to let you go. But I'm about to stretch out my hand. Let go of somebody's hand. Let go of it. Now stretch it out to them. And God said, I'm going to make it so aware of my presence. They won't be reaching for nails. Peter recognized his own sin, and yet he declared, my Lord. Did you know that Thomas became the only disciple that when the cross came forth with the resurrection, he went to the nation of India and became the first missionary in the state of India, in the nation of India. And they said, it's never been like that before. What are you about to see? If you really believe the coming of the Lord, then you've got to believe that there are going to be people get saved in this church. 
that you haven't even seen. My God. I, uh, you can be seated. I was about to ask somebody to bring me an envelope. Would you just bring me one? I, I've already filled out one. I already did what they told me to do. But then I heard the Lord say through the shepherd, get ready, God's up to something. Get ready, God's up to something. Get ready, God's up to something. You will get me some more of these, won't you? You'll find some more. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I was asking the Lord for seven. Just, just hand them to the shepherd. I'm going to have him help me. And my faith, I looked around and I thought, you know, Lord, I'm going to believe you for uh, seven people to sow a seed. I don't care if it's part of your Easter offering. I don't care what it is. I said, I'm going to, no, I've got, I got enough. He's got a handful. My faith said seven. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's your faith. But let me tell you what I got on my mind. I said, okay, I'll go for it. I'm not going, I'm not going to talk keep you any longer. I've already said what God put in my spirit. God said, it doesn't matter what you have done. The enemy didn't let you go. But now I'm about to stretch out my hand. When do you think God stretches out his hand? It's when the enemy shows off. And God says, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. I'm about to stretch out my hand. And when I stretch out my hand, he will let you go. And he said, I'll do it in such a way that there, there won't be a doubt in your mind or anybody else's mind. I'll do it in the presence of your enemies. There's a number of you that are going to join me with an offering of $1,000. I don't want you to reach and get an envelope. I want you to come take it out of mine. And in fact, come up here, Shepherd. If you don't mind, can you help me down here? Uh, thank you. I'll be the first. I'll give this people favor. Which ones? Obedience changes everything. This one's mine. I get the first one. 
I didn't even plan on that. I already gave my $100. I'll give your family a favor. Now, now you got to understand, I'm asking you to sow $1,000 by Easter. Are you okay with that? As soon as you get it, go back to your seat. Thank you. Thank you. You get it, go back to your seat. Now, I already got what my faith said, but he, he talked me into believing. Somebody praise him. As soon as you get it, go back to your seat. I had faith for seven. No, I don't need any more. He's already gone beyond my faith. Aren't you glad he ain't depending on my faith? I was going to ask for seven. We got 12. How many is that? Thank you. Thank you. God says, I'll give this people favor. You want this? You sure? Somebody shout. Give me three more. There are a couple of people saying, now, Lord, if, if you really wanted me to do this, you'll have him ask for more. Okay. Where's the other two? My faith said seven, but evidently God said 20. Aren't you going to shout? Are you going to shout? Thousand dollars? Are you sure? You're going to do a thousand? Okay. Now, that's 21. Shout. Now, every one of you fill out the envelope with just your name. Don't want your address. Just put your name. And on the back, put a thousand. Twenty-two. Twenty-three. Shout. Now, 
So far, all you've done is made a pledge. That's not hard to do. Is this all right? Thank you. And if you want it to be a part of your... Is that all right? Because you're planning on doing that anyway. So if you want this to be a part of it, it's all right. And it really don't matter. I told them I won't accept any kind of honorarium at all. I really didn't know I was going to give a thousand, but I said I won't accept any kind of honorarium at all. Uh, how many have I give out so far? 23? 24. Thank you. Thank you. Shout. My God, you can't even get them to have church, much less give a good offering. Well, who said so? I think, uh, give me one more. No, give me four more. I want four more people come up here and uh, take one and say, I'll bring at least $400 by Easter. Hurry. I don't want to make you wait. I promised him I wouldn't keep you long. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you took two. You want both of them? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Forgive my lack of faith. I told you what I had faith for. But evidently you you way ahead of me way ahead of me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Somebody praise him. Thank you. Thank you. through a long time ago. Somebody shout hallelujah. Okay. Glory be to God. I will give this people and I will what I couldn't get over you know why the men didn't go get the gold and silver? They had been laying mud bricks. Their hands were dirty. But the ladies didn't know any better. They just said, if I go, they'll do it. 
All you ladies, shout amen. Okay. Thank you, sir. I love you. God bless you. Listen. Really beautiful miracle flow up here right now. And there's some of you, the Holy Spirit instructed him to call out the challenges he was calling out because there were people in the room that their faith needed to be targeted on that level. And thank you for being obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying. But I believe everybody in here needs to sow something today. If you can't give a thousand, if you can't give 400, I want you to get what you can. Everybody, if you haven't come down and get in an envelope yet, I want you to get one right now, wherever you're sitting. Watching me online, I want you to click the Give Now button. And I want you to believe God for supernatural favor in this time where the world is going through famine and difficulty, that God would give us favor and supernatural provision all over this house that the people in this house would be blessed by God. So on whatever level you can, if you want to give $100, if you want to give $50, if you haven't taken an envelope yet, get something in your hand. Get something in your hand. Especially if it means you have to sacrifice to get it. Especially if it means that. Get something in your hand and come bring it down to the altar right now. Watching online, click that give button right now and believe God for miracles in your life. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We love you. Come and give this offering in faith. And believe God for great things. Unless they, unless they physically stop us, we will be here Wednesday night declaring the word of the Lord and declaring faith. In a couple of weeks, we'll be doing food pantry again. If you know anybody that needs food, we're not stopping. We're increasing our efforts because we believe God has blessed us to be a blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. Now may the Lord your God bless you. May the Lord your God keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you go from this place under the shelter of the almighty God. May no evil befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. May the Lord your God give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. I speak the strength of God and the grace of God over your life and over your week this week. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody shout amen. God bless you. We love you.